Thank you for tuning in. This is for Pete's sake on KMAZ Radio, and I am Pete Solari. You can hit me up on Twitter at for Pete's sake and why that is the number four, P E T E S A K E, and why also on the web at for Pete's sake.net. For Pete's sake, spelled the same way. Dot net for Pete's sake. Dot net, and don't forget to check out the Monday Morning Quarterback, where I am editor in chief. So for all your sports news and commentary from yours truly, among others, check out the Monday Morning Quarterback at mondaymorningqb.info and on Twitter and Facebook at the Monday AMQB and hashtag TMMQB. All right, so here we are back for episode 24 coming at you on a Wednesday, the 17th of January 2018. And man, here we are, championship week, only four teams remain in the NFL. Can you believe it? The season over, or almost over at least, already. I'm just shocked, you know, where does the time go? I mean, January is more than half over at this point, so, you know, time just flying by. Like I said, only four teams left, a few weeks, Super Bowl 52 in Minnesota, and I, I gotta tell you, I mean, my word for to just to describe all of what's going on in the NFL with the playoffs right now would be surprised. I think, um, you know, a lot of surprises here. I mean, obviously the Patriots uh, playing in the AFC Championship, not really a surprise for anyone, uh, kind of routine for them. So, you know, them aside, though, I don't think, you know, a lot of people are expecting them to match up with the Jacksonville Jaguars in this game on Sunday, and I certainly wasn't. I mean, I think, you know, you go back to the beginning of the season, probably a lot of uh, people expecting at the time to be this, it, for this AFC Championship to be, the you know, the Steelers. And the Patriots, a rematch from last year, I think as the season progressed, you know, that didn't change much, obviously. And I think up until the point when the Jaguars actually just beat the, the Steelers last week, I think, you know, that was the expectation. Steelers-Patriots, um, obviously that's not going to be the case. The You know, the Steelers, what can you say about them? I think they... Uh, I mean, just a bad job by them, really. You know, I think there's no doubt they overlooked this team and the Jaguars. And, you know, they were looking ahead to that Patriots game. And I just I just think it's a, a really bad look for Mike Tomlin and his team. You know, no respect for these guys. I mean, you got to – I mean, come on. You know, this is the NFL. I mean, regardless, obviously you're the Steelers. They're the Jaguars. But, I mean, you know, this is the NFL. And these are NFL players on the other side of the ball. And, I mean, just uh, the lack of respect is just, just just staggering to me. So, you know, it wasn't too upset to see the Steelers get knocked off. I'll tell you that much. Definitely a surprise, though. I think you look over at the NFC Championship game. I don't think anyone at the beginning of the season was expecting these two teams. 
I'm pretty sure absolutely no one, absolutely no one expecting, you know, Case Keenum to be matching up with Nick Foles in this game. I think, um, you know, again, two teams I don't think had a whole lot of high expectations at the beginning. And, um, you know, as the season progressed, that changed as well. At the same time, I mean, you know, the, the Eagles, I think the Eagles were a legit, people could considered them a legit contender uh, until, uh, you know, Carson Wentz went down. I mean, at that point, I don't think I don't think anyone considers them a contender, myself included. I don't think anyone thinking Nick Foles is really going to come come in and save the day here. But, you know, here we are uh, on the other side. You got the Vikings. And I mean, what what do you get? What can you say about them? I mean, uh, they, you know, I'm surprised they won. Honestly, I think I don't know. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm, my, my picks are like the kiss of death. That's why I'm not going to give you any picks today. But, man, I, I really feel that, you know, if I hadn't raved, ranted and raved about how good the Saints were last week, that maybe they would have pulled this one out. But at the end of the day, you got to give credit to the Vikings. Still a surprise, though, even though as the season went on, they, you know, they were a good team. Um, They were the number two seed behind the Eagles. You know, the Eagles pretty much the number one seed because of what Carson Wentz did. Carson Wentz leading them with what was an MVP season until he got hurt. You know, Nick Foles has picked it up, though. He's got them right there. And then you got the Vikings with Case Keenum, I think. I mean, man, this is a team that's really kind of been searching for that quarterback for really a couple of years. Now. I mean, you know, they drafted Bridgewater, obviously. And, you know, he gets hurt. They, they traded a lot to get Sam Bradford from, ironically, the Eagles. So... I mean, they have a lot invested in this quarterback search for over the last few years. And amazingly, you know, it's Case Keenum, a relative unknown, who is uh, the one who's really had the most success and now has them on the verge of the Super Bowl. So like I said, just uh, a lot of surprises, I think. I'm surprised uh, for where we're at here on Championship Week, you know, heading into the weekend and Championship Sunday. And I'm, I'm surprised, I'm really surprised that three of these four teams at this point are here and... You know, for that, you know, for that, I guess I think it's a good thing that I'm surprised. You know, I I get tired of seeing the same old teams every year. So, you know, it's good. It's good to be surprised. And I want to talk about these championship games coming up a little bit. I want to start in the AFC with the Patriots and the Jaguars. I mean, I think obviously uh, the Patriots a big favorite in this game. No doubt about that. Playing in Foxborough. You got the Jaguars coming along. And, the, man, where did the Jaguars come from last week, really? I mean, this is a team that couldn't move the ball against Buffalo, of all teams. And and then they come into Pittsburgh, of all places, and put up 40 points. I mean, my goodness, you know, what, just craziness. And honestly, that's part of the reason I got to I, I gotta give the Jaguars just a, a puncher's chance in this. Would I call them a favorite? Absolutely not. Would I be surprised if they won? Yeah, still somewhat surprised, but I definitely give them a bit of a, a you know, a puncher's chance. I don't think this would be, you know, the, the most surprising thing ever to see the Jaguars go in there and win this game. And I, I know a lot of people are Jaguars fans now, you know, jumping on that Jaguar bandwagon. You know, they're the underdog, obviously. And I'm, I'm jumping on that bandwagon, too. And it's got nothing to do with them being an underdog. And it's really, I have no love for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I've never really liked them, actually, as an organization. I always kind of hoped they would be the team to move to L.A. Because for years, they're talking about team going to L.A. When, when they didn't have a team. And, you know, I always hoped it would be the Jaguars. I felt like, you know, I'd, I'd feel bad for any other fan base uh, to lose their team. But, you know, the Jaguars, I didn't really, you know, I didn't really care much about them. I thought, you know, I remember when they used to have the blackout rule where if you didn't sell out the stadium, they'd black your game out locally. And the Jaguars were getting blacked out all the time. And they were, you know, covering 
a major not a majority but a good number of seats in the stadium with tarps just just to you know reduce this the capacity of the stadium so they'd have a chance at, at even selling out the game and, and they were still getting blacked out so i mean you know the jaguars to me were always kind of just like a joke of a franchise i never really cared about them but i'll tell you why there's one reason i'm really rooting for them this year and his name is tom coughlin and it goes back to him being a giant. Obviously, if you listen to this show, you've heard me talk about the Giants and how they pushed Coughlin out the door and, you know, what a terrible move it's been. And and I still feel all that. So I think, you know, I, I like the fact that Tom Coughlin, you know, here's a guy that the Giants pushed out the door. They didn't want him to be his coach. You know, they didn't retain him in the front office for a job or anything like that. They, they basically kicked him out the door. And, you know, he goes into Jacksonville, and look, you know, he turns the franchise around. And I'm not the only one saying that. The owner of the team, Shad Khan, has, has said that as well. He's giving Coughlin a ton of credit for, for turning that team around. And, you know, I like to see it, honestly. The Giants have pissed me off so royally over the last few years, really starting with when they pushed Coughlin out the door. That's the one that really, that's when it started, where it really just, this team just turned me off. And I'll, I'll tell you what, they need to, they need this. They need to see, you know, the success Tom Coughlin has, is having with the Jaguars and how the Jaguars, you know, the success they're getting from the Giants' mistake. And, you know, it, you know, it's a little bit of a gut punch, but, you know, that's exactly what the Giants need right now. And I'm, I'm kind of happy to see it. So I, I wish Tom Coughlin all, all the luck in the world. And I'm definitely pulling big for the Jaguars. And uh, like I said, I do give them a puncher's chance in this game. And I'll tell you why. Just look at all the teams you know, not all the teams. Like, like there's, like there's a lot of them. Look at the handful of teams that have really had success against Tom Brady and the Patriots in the playoffs. And it's, you know, this Jaguar team. I think, you know, kind of fits that bill right there. And I mean, you know, really, you look at obviously Tom Coughlin. It's a guy who coached, you know, the the Giants to two Super Bowl victories over the Patriots. Nobody else has ever been able to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. The 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 Brady Belichick Patriots, that is. But you know, Tom Coughlin did it twice, so, you know, they got that on their side. I mean, I don't know how much influence Tom Coughlin will have on the Jaguars in this game, but, I, I mean, I, that's definitely someone that, uh, you know, I think can talk the talk, and if the Jaguars listen, you know, who knows? All bets are off. I think they're playing with house money anyway. They've got nothing to lose in this. Nobody expects them to win. Nobody expected them to get this far. I think it's, you know, I think they're really... They should go in there loose. I think all the pressure's on the Patriots in this game, and I think, you know... Again, you look at the teams, Tom Coughlin's Giants. You also, more, more I think, more importantly for, for purposes of this comparison, you look at the teams, the two teams really, three teams, but two franchises that have gone into Foxborough and beaten Brady and Belichick and the Patriots in the playoffs in Foxborough. It was the Jets, you know, Rex Ryan's Jets did it a few years ago, and the Ravens did it twice. Joe Flacco and the Ravens did it twice. And now, you know, you look at those teams – Compared to this Jaguars team, and you kind of there's some similarities there. First of all, I don't think the the Ravens. No disrespect to Joe Flacco, but neither the Ravens or, or the Jets ha were teams with elite quarterbacks. Obviously, I think Joe Flacco is a very good NFL quarterback. I w would not put him on the elite level of quarterbacks, but I definitely a good quarterback. Definitely better than Mark Sanchez, who went into Foxborough and beat the uh, the Patriots and Brady as well. But you know. Both those teams, really, the Ravens and those Jets, built on defense. That's how you beat the the Patriots. You get to Tom Brady. You knock him down. You throw him off his game. Obviously, that's what the Giants did. I, you know, I would believe that Tom Coughlin's going to be a big part 
of uh, you know what the Jaguars are going to do this week. I think uh, Doug Marone is. Coaching staff would be stupid not to seek some, at least some kind of counsel from Tom Coughlin. But, I mean, you know, that's why you got to give him a puncher's chance because they got that defense, they got that pass rush. That's what. That's how you get to Tom Brady. You knock him down, you hit him. He's not used to that. He doesn't like that. And, you know, that's really how you beat Tom Brady with your defense. And, you know, I know a lot of people are saying there's no way, you know, there's, there's no way that the, the Jaguars' defense is really going to be able to hold down this Patriots' offense. I'm I'm just not sure that's true. I mean, again, you go back to Coughlin's Giants, Super Bowl 42. Here we are, ten years later. You know, it seems like you know, fitting that this would happen. That that Coughlin would would help lead the Jaguars over the Patriots in, in an impossible game, right? I mean, but you look at them in Super Bowl 42. Those Giants, nobody gave them a chance either. I mean, they held the Patriots, which was which was a record-setting offense. Uh, you know. They held them to 14 points in that game. Any given Sunday, anything could happen. So yeah, I definitely give the Jaguars a punching chance, a puncher's chance in this game. And I also want to see them win. As a fan, I'm you know I'm gonna put my bias out there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm rooting hard for the Jacksonville Jaguars in this AFC Championship game. A team a few years ago, I wanted to move to LA. You know, now I want them to you know get to the Super Bowl. So yeah, I'm a Jaguars fan this week. Uh, I look at the NFC side of things. I'm a little more conflicted as a fan, not a, not as an objective analyst or anything like that, but as a fan, I'm a little more conflicted about this game because uh, the Eagles are involved, and I'm a Giants fan. That right there, you know, I don't like the Eagles. They're one of the teams I despise the most, and I'm not one of these like New Yorkers who hates everything Philadelphia. I really don't. I actually love Philadelphia as a city. I think it's a a, a wonderful city. Philadelphia. I like a lot, a lot about Philadelphia, but I do not like their sports teams, and more so than any others, I don't like the Eagles or the Flyers. So, you know, it's conflicting because, not because I'm a Vikings fan, I really don't like the Vikings either, but you know, I have always been one who never wanted to see a Super Bowl, you know, a a home team play a Super Bowl, basically a team playing a Super Bowl in their home stadium. And unfortunately for the Eagles to lose, and not make the Super Bowl. The only way for that to happen is for the Vikings to win and basically go home to Minnesota to their home stadium and play in a Super Bowl for the, which would be the first time ever. That's never happened. And honestly, like I, like I said, I, I'm conflicted a little. I'm not conflicted enough to to not root for the Vikings in this game. I'm definitely rooting for the Vikings in this game. I, you know, I'll bite the bullet and I guess see a home team play in the Super Bowl. Um, overseeing the Eagles play in the Super Bowl because, quite honestly, you know, once you put the Eagles in the Super Bowl, then, you know, they have a chance to win the Super Bowl, and I don't ever want to see that. I really don't, ever. I'm sorry, Eagles fans. It's not, you know, I'm not trying to, to disrespect your organization or anything. It's not like that. It's just I don't ever want to see you guys win. I love the fact that you have been putting up with this misery for so long that uh, the other three teams in the NFC East get to rag you about the fact that you've never won a Super Bowl. I never want that to change. I'm going to tell you that right now. Uh, at the same time, I never wanted to see a home team play in the Super Bowl, but I guess you know if I had to choose one, I would choose the Vikings playing that home game. But honestly, to me, you know that it's just, a, it's just gonna, the Super Bowl is going to lose a little bit of luster. Um, if that happens for me, and honestly, I, I look, look, just look at, you know, football is the one of the four major professional sports in this country 
that doesn't play a, a, a seven-game series for their championship. And I love that. I absolutely love that. And I'm not, you know, and I'm not, not that I'm advocating for the other leagues to change anything. I'm just, I really love the fact that, you know, it's a, it's, you know, two teams playing one game at a neutral site. And I think that's, you know, that's great. You have your two best teams. They're at a neutral site. You know, no one's got that advantage. And, you know, you just let them play it out and see who wins. I love that. And you get that in college sports, too. You know, obviously, college football, college basketball, they play one-game championships. College basketball plays that one-and-done tournament that is so great that we love in this country. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. You love that. You love that because that's, you know, that's why you get upsets in the NCAA tournament because it's one game right there, one game. And on any given Sunday in the NFL, on any given day in any other sport, you know, anyone can win. Anyone can win. And that's what we love about it. So, you know, when you look at putting a team at home in the Super Bowl, I guess it doesn't sound like much. I don't think the crowd will be uh, I think some people are expecting the crowd to be, you know, fully Vikings fans. I don't think that'll be the case at all. I mean, the tickets, you know, m- people are interested in the Super Bowl all over the place, whether or not their team's in it. You know, every player in the league gets their gets their share of tickets. So, you know, these tickets will be moved around on the secondary market. I don't expect it to necessarily be one-sided um, from a fan perspective, but I do, you know, there's a little bit of a of an advantage there. If the Vikings get to this Super Bowl, they get to play this Super Bowl at home, even though they will be the road team in the game. Um, you know, there's an advantage there. They know every inch of that field, right? I mean, I would think, I mean, I don't know who's, slated to use the Vikings practice facility during Super Bowl week if it's the AFC champion or the NFC champion I don't know but uh, I'd imagine even if it was the AFC champion the Vikings would get to stay in their home you know in their home facility they'd get to stay in their own beds you know they don't have to travel for this game there's an advantage I think to be had for that and uh, you know that's really what I don't like what I love about the Super Bowl is that it's a neutral site two teams, you know, the two best teams, and just playing it out on a neutral site. I like that. I think there's something just pure about that, and, you know, we're going to lose it. At the end of the day, I mean, I'm willing to lose that, um, to not have to see the Eagles, you know, you know, get within a game of the Super Bowl. I mean, man, even if the Eagles make it, you know, there's obviously no guarantee that they'd win, but like I said, you know, once they make it, they, anyone has a chance, so... And if they make it, it will be a neutral site game. So, you know, I, I just don't want to get to that point. Um, I don't know, though. Like I said, a little bit conflicted. At the end of the day, I'm rooting for the Vikings this weekend. I'm rooting for the Jaguars. I'm hoping for a Jags-Vikings Super Bowl. Not going to give you any picks today because, uh, like I said, I'm just not really good at that. So, um, and I feel like I'm the kiss of death for some of these teams. Like, some of these teams could really... Really, like uh, on these seasons of destiny and, and it just it ends because uh you know i opened my big mouth so i, I don't want to get into that i just wanted to talk about these games a little bit you know where we're looking at, you know how my perspective of these games as i see i'm definitely rooting for the vikings over the eagles don't like the eagles one bit also rooting for the jaguars more more so rooting for tom coughlin and the Jaguars. And just on a side note on that, if you're a Giants fan like I am, you know, there's something else to watch for in that game, that Jaguars-Patriots game. Because, you know, if the expected happens and the Patriots win, you know, the, what are the Jaguars going to do? They're going to go home and reassess and say, you know, what do we need to get over the top? And I think quarterback is definitely on that list. I think they definitely could use a quarterback. I don't think, you know, Blake Bortles, 
you know, he's getting the job done, but I don't, I don't think this is a guy you really have a lot of faith in if you're if you're a Jaguars fan. So you look at the quarterback situation with the Giants. You know, they've got the number two pick. They're talking about moving on to a new quarterback. Who knows? The Jaguars lose this game. Eli Manning, you know, all of a sudden becomes available. Who knows what could happen? So, you know, the Jaguars, like I said, they lose this game. You you look at the team overall, and what do you say? What what's what, what? Where were they? Where did they fall short as a team? I think quarterback is definitely high on that list. So, you know, with Eli Manning perhaps becoming available, Tom Coughlin having so much control over what's going on in Jacksonville, and he does. He's actually in a position above the general manager. I mean, that's the guy who's running the show in Jacksonville, and that's why the owner is giving him so much credit for the turnaround. And honestly, that's why I'm rooting for him. A little gut check to the Giants, so... We'll see. You know, I think there's a lot to look for as Giants fans, too. Either way, I think a very interesting matchup. Should be an entertaining weekend. So I know people are saying, uh, you know, that it'd be a ratings nightmare. It'd be a disaster if the Jaguars and Vikings get to the Super Bowl from a ratings standpoint. And, I mean, that's probably true. Those aren't the biggest markets. I think, you know, Philly-Boston markets, you know, that that's what you want. But, again, it's the Super Bowl, you know. People love the Super Bowl. It's like an American holiday. And the NFL coming off a season where people are really turning off their TVs and not watching anymore. Would it it be so bad, you know, for for them to offer something a little different? You know, people are tired of the same old crap with the NFL. You know, give them the Jaguars. Give them the Vikings. You know, the Vikings haven't been to the Super Bowl in decades. The Jaguars have never been to the Super Bowl. Most of us here today have never seen either of these teams in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, give us something different. You know, it might be a good thing for the NFL. So I mean, something else, more food for thought, something else to keep an eye on. But like I said, no picks today. I'm not going to pick these games, but I just wanted to talk about them a little bit. So now that I've done that, I think we're going to move on to a little more local talk here in New York. We're going to get into the Giants because, I mean, obviously, like, like most of you, I have nothing invested really in these games this weekend. Is you know my team's out, my team's sitting at home watching like the rest of your many of yours, maybe not all of yours, but there's only four teams left. So, you know those of us sitting at home watching, you know it's still it's always football season for us. We're always looking at, you know how we can improve. And the New York Giants at this point obviously are no exception to that. So we're gonna talk a little bit about them when I return from the break. We'll talk a little bit about their number two draft pick. Looks like they have a head coach. Uh, not officially, but in place, ready to go. And we'll talk a little bit about that, all that and more coming up. You are listening to For Pete's Sake on KMAZ Radio, and we will be back after this. I was driving with the dog in the way back and my two kids in the back seat, and I saw the sign for the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Think you want to be a part of the exciting world of radio and television? Check out Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. I pulled into the driveway, went in, asked for an application, and it changed my life. It's the best thing I ever did. I loved how small the classes were. I loved the fact that when I walked into the classroom, I actually recognized the voice or recognized the name of the person who was about to teach me. The job placement experience is second to none. When I graduated, I had three job opportunities, and I have worked in radio every day of my life since then. We've placed thousands of grads for nearly 50 years. Contact us today. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or visit GoCSB.com. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or visit GoCSB.com. 
You're listening to For Pete's Sake. I gotta tell you, this is pretty terrific. <laughs> yeah. With Pete Solari. Pete Solari back on KMAZ Radio. You are listening to For Pete's Sake. Hit me up on Twitter at For Pete's Sake NY, the number four, P E T E S A K E. And why? Also check me out on the web at forpetesake.net, for Pete's sake, spelled the same way, .net, forpetesake.net. And while you're cruising the internet, don't forget to check out the Monday Morning Quarterback, where I am editor-in-chief for all your sports news and commentary. Check out the Monday Morning Quarterback at mondaymorningqb.info and on social media at hashtag TMMQB. All right, so we are back, and now that we've gotten all that talk of you know about teams that you know still have a purpose to their to their seasons out of the way, I, I want to talk about a team whose season was lost uh, months ago, and that's the New York Giants right here in New York. Obviously, a lot of talk around them because there's really a lot going on around them right now, and obviously they're in the, in the midst of a coaching search, and it looks like that will uh, you know that's all really a formality at this point. All signs. Pointing to Pat Shermer, the offensive coordinator of the Vikings, getting that job. But obviously not a done deal yet, but you never know. You really do never know. So, I mean, don't don't pin your hopes on it. But, however, however, with that in mind, I, I just want to assume that Pat Shermer is going to be the coach and, and talk about where the Giants go from here with that in mind and, more specifically, what are they going to do with this number two overall pick they got in the uh, upcoming draft, and man, now I'll tell you what, Saquon Barkley, the uh, the running back out of Penn State, he's getting a lot of talk now uh, around the Giants and with Giants fans, and really, honestly, when I first you know started hearing this, I thought it was just you know the Penn State fans and the Penn State alum. There's a lot of them around New York. I thought you know they were just they're wishful thinking, but you know now I'm talking now I'm hearing draft analysts and you know respected voices in the media. You know, talking about Barkley being in the mix with the Giants, and I'll tell you what, man, I'm against this too, and it's it's nothing personal with Barkley. It's not nothing against him whatsoever, but oh, I am just under the belief that I would never waste a top five draft pick, a top ten draft pick on a running back. I really wouldn't. I'm mean, rarely, if ever, would I waste a first round pick on a running back. I just I think it's the most overrated position in sports. I really do. And I mean, I know the NFL is getting away from this type of thinking. The NFL used to think like me, but now they're getting away from it. You've seen, you know, guys like Gurley and and Ezekiel Elliott and now Fournette getting taken. All those guys top four draft picks and, you know, obviously having success in the league. So now now teams starting to look at running backs again, say, ah, oh, maybe it's not such a a bad thing to pick a running back. I, I I just don't buy it. Honestly, I don't buy it. You know. Fine, I'm not, nothing against those three guys either, Gurley or Elliott or, or Fournette. I have nothing against them either, but it's just like, how many playoff games have those guys won? I know Fournette's been part of two playoff wins now this season. You know, Ezekiel Elliott hasn't won a playoff game. Gurley hasn't won a playoff game. I mean, honestly, do you need do you need a running back, a top-flight elite running back to win a Super Bowl? The answer is no. The answer is just no. You just look over, you know, just recent history. 
and you see some of the the running backs that that won the uh, you know won Super Bowls and. I mean, you start right here in New York with the Giants' two Super Bowls. You know, they did it with Brandon Jacobs and Ahmad Bradshaw. You know, far from elite running backs. They still won the Super Bowl. You know, the Patriots, they win, you know, the, these last two Super Bowls with, with Garrett Blunt. And I know he had, like, he, like, you know, had a resurgence in New England. But I think that was more about him going to New England than him, you know, just, you know, that being the real Garrett Blunt. I mean, where was Garrett Blunt before he went to New England? You know, where has he been since since he left New England? And, you know, I just I just don't think it's necessary. Look at the Broncos a couple years ago. I mean, C.J. Anderson, Ronnie Hillman, are these, like, elite running backs? No, they're not. And it's not – this isn't to say, you know, that an elite running back can't win you a Super Bowl, that an elite running back can't win a Super Bowl or anything like that, or it's, you know, that these aren't elite players and that they shouldn't be paid for their skills. That's not the point. Uh, it's nothing against them. It's just, you know, when you see the type of success teams have had – with, you know, average, good to average running backs in this league. I mean, do you want to spend in a salary cap sport, in this salary cap era, do you, do you want to spend those resources on, on a guy you really don't need? And again, I'm not picking on Ezekiel Elliott, but look no further than Dallas Cowboys. Really, look no further because they chose Elliott fourth overall. Obviously, he had a breakout year, his rookie year. He ran for like 1,600 yards. He averaged like five yards a carry. That's great. Nothing, no disrespect to him. He's an, a, a wonderful talent. He really is. But what happens when you have a guy who's rushing for 1,600 yards, five yards a carry? You're going to have to pay him eventually, right? So that's going to take resources away from other guys, right? Would you rather pay him than that offense, that stud offensive line you've built in Dallas? Would you rather pay him than your quarterback, Dak Prescott, who you know you talk glowingly of? You know these guys got to get paid. You got to find receivers. I mean, maybe it's not Des Bryant, but do you want to be able to pay wide receivers? Do you want to be able to put a defense on the field? I mean, these are things you have to consider. And, you know, these precious resources, You're basically you can only spend so much money in a salary cap sport. So, you know, where do you want to spend it? I just don't see running back as as a, as a real area of need. I really don't. And again, look at the Cowboys. Look at them. Yeah, that's great they have Elliott. It's you know, it's great that he's a great player. Good for them. Wonderful. But look at the draft. I mean, they passed on Joey Bosa to draft Ezekiel Elliott. Was that a wise move? I I venture to say it wasn't. You know, a year before Elliott came along in 2015, the Cowboys had Darren McFadden at running back, and he rushed for 1,000 yards. He rushed for about 1,100 yards that year. Okay, so yeah, it's 500 yards less than, than what uh, Zeke ran for in, in, in 2016. And he averaged about 4.6 yards a carry, so it's almost half a yard less than what Zeke averaged. I get it. You know, he's not Ezekiel Elliott. He also costs a lot less, though. And you could have had Joey Bosa in that pick. So ask yourself this if you're a Cowboy fan. Really, ask yourself. Are you better off with Ezekiel Elliott behind what is really a great offensive line anyway? Okay, are you better off with that and and lacking a pass rush? Or would you be, be better off with, you know, a, a running back by committee thing with McFadden, maybe Alfred Morris? I don't think either of them are on the roster at this point. McFadden's retired now. McFadden, you know, you took him away from that Dallas offensive line. He didn't want to he didn't even want to play anymore. So that should tell you how, you know, how important that offensive line is. And, and really, how important they are to the success of their running game, Ezekiel Elliott included. But if you can get 
close to the same production out of your running game. You're running back by committee as you can from Elliott. And at the same time, you get a guy like Joey Bosa, who's had like 23 sacks in the last two years. Are you better off? I think you are. I think the the Cowboys really goofed on this. And, you know, the point isn't to just look at these running backs and say, well, look at these top five running backs. You know, they're all having success. It's great. It's great. What kind of success are their teams having? And I know, you know, the jury's still out on the Jaguars, but, I mean, come on. Really? I mean, I don't know. Is Leonard Fournette really the, the, the key to, to the Jaguars turning things around this year? I think, you know, they're more of a defensive team. I think they get a quarterback who can throw the ball. You know, they'll, they'll be a, a much better offensive team. So, you know, I don't I don't see Leonard Fournette as real. I mean, no offense to him. Again, he's a, a great talent, and I hope he has nothing but success in this league. But when you're in the when you're in this salary cap area, you have to ask yourself, you know, what you're better off with. And and if you're the Giants now, I know the Giants are always they're always talking about how there's always so much urgency. Uh, around their running game, you know, we got to get a running back. Got to get a running back. Like I said, they won two Super Bowls with Bradshaw and Jacobs. I mean, you d- you don't need to get a running back. You need to fix that O line, like I've been saying. Open that running game up. You know, I'm fine with a uh, you know with bringing back what they got. I really am, as opposed to drafting, wasting the number. I I would consider it a waste the number two pick on a running back, and it's nothing against Barkley. I hope he has nothing su- but success in the NFL too. But I'm just I'm not. I'd be more upset if they drafted a running back at number two than I would be if they drafted a quarterback. And if you listen to this show, you know my feeling on the quarterback. It's another position the Giants are always, you know, not always, but now, you know, there's all, all the, like, act like there's all this urgency around the quarterback. And, and it's just not true. It's just not true. The Giants are pretty good at quarterback, honestly. Honestly. Like I've said many times before, Eli Manning still got at least two years left. There, I have no doubt about that okay you got davis webb waiting in the wings you drafted him for a reason okay why he wasn't the backup this year why you brought geno smith in this year is a mystery but i'd be fine with the giants going into next season with their current running back situation and their current quarterback situation minus geno smith i really would so then you got to ask yourself you know what do you do with this number two pick and oh man, it kills me to say it because it's true. You're really you're never in these positions. You you know you're never in a position like this. Where if you're a Giants fan, when was the last time we were in a position to draft in the top two? You know, and obviously you know you want to be able to get that franchise quarterback in the top two. Everyone does, but you know those top two picks. They're not those top two quarterbacks aren't always franchise quarterbacks either. So it's not it's not just using the pick on a quarterback. It's you know, using a pick on the right quarterback, the guy that's going to work, okay? Remember Robert Griffin III? He was the number two pick. Remember Ryan Leaf? He was the number two pick. So these things always don't always work out. You know, it's it's still a risk drafting a quarterback here, and as much as it kills me to say, honestly, I think the Giants might be better off trading this pick and getting a boatload of, uh, of picks and maybe even players back. You know, would you... uh? Trade this number two pick for, uh, you know, let's say, you know, you can get an offensive lineman and, and a top 15 pick in this draft and another number one pick for next year. I mean, that's a lot. I don't. Here's the point. I get it. I get it. You're not in these positions a lot where you can draft this franchise quarterback. If you're the Giants, when are you going to be there again? You know, obviously, Eli Manning is going to, you know, his career is going to end at some point. So you have to think about it. But you have Davis Webb waiting in the wings. Okay, you don't always have to draft your quarterback 
in the top five either. You know, like I said, they don't always work out. Sure, sometimes they do, but they don't always work out. The Patriots got the greatest quarterback ever, arguably the greatest quarterback ever in the sixth round. You know, the Seahawks won a Super Bowl with Russell Wilson. He got him in the third round. You know, I just I just feel like they're creating all this urgency around running back, around quarterback, and it's just it's like a ruse. It's not real. It's just it's 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 a show. You know, they're trying to rile people up, get you all excited. I just don't see it that way. I am still seeing this offensive line as a big problem. And I know, you know, this isn't a very deep off offensive line draft, but what if you can trade that pick and get an offensive lineman back, you know, a really good offensive lineman back? I think you have to consider all options. And I'm not the general manager. And I think the general consensus is they're going to move, make a move at a quarterback with this pick. And like I, you know, I've made my feelings known about this. I don't agree with it, but I'd be more with that than them drafting a running back at number two. I, I, I honestly would. And really, I mean, there's nothing we can do to erase all the mistakes the Giants have made in the last couple of years. And while I, I wouldn't real, I don't really support the plan of moving on to Eli's successor. I get it that it has to happen sometime does have to happen sooner than later. So if that's the route they go, I would much prefer that over a running back. Again, you got to get the right guy. So you don't, you know, it's all a crapshoot. It really is. What are the Giants going to do with this pick? I have no idea. I'll tell you what. I thought I'd be a lot more excited about it. You know, as the season was going along and it became obvious the Giants were going to be like a top five draft pick team here. I, I thought I'd be a lot more excited about that. You know, the possibilities of that top, that top, five draft pick now you know now that it's a number two pick i'll tell you what i am i am very nervous i don't know what the giants are gonna do i mean i'm gonna put my faith in dave gettleman okay like i said last week he's a long way from you know being coronated uh as the king of new york here but uh so far thus far i'm, I'm happy with what he's done i really am i mean that the culture's changing you know he's at least you know uh, willing to address the fact that the offensive line is hot garbage and so, you know, we'll see what he does. We'll see what he does. Overall, I mean, I'm nervous about this first pick. Like I said, I mean, more and more you're hearing about Barkley and Penn State, and I'm just, whoo, I'm very much against that. You know what I want from a running back, honestly, or a committee of running backs, which is becoming much more common in today's NFL? Here's what I want from running backs. I want a guy who, you know, has got some speed, doesn't have to be the fastest guy on the earth. I want a guy, you know, who can memorize the playbook, knows what holes to hit. I want a guy that can throw a block occasionally, and anything else is just really icing on top. It's really added bonus. You know, if this guy can make, a, you know, has some moves that can make a tackle or miss here and there, that's great. You know, if this guy can catch passes out of the backfield, that's great. And I get it. Barkley fits the whole bill. He can do it all. He blocks, he runs, he catches passes, and he's good at all of that. those things. But, you know, here, well, here's what you're going to do down the road. You, you're going to be able to pay this guy? You're going to be able to pay this guy? Odell Beckham, your future franchise quarterback that you're talking about we need in the next couple of years. I mean, well, how are you going to pay all these guys? You're going to need an offensive line. You're going to rebuild that offensive line. You're going to have to pay those guys. I mean, I just feel like you're, you're wasting your – you don't want to throw. I don't, at least, from my perspective. I don't want to throw that big money at a running back because, I, honestly, I've seen teams have success without a big-time running back, and that's nothing against the running backs. It's just, you know, do you need it? 
Do you need it? If really, that's really all the only question you have to ask. If this, was, if this was baseball, you know, and there was no salary cap, or no hard cap at least, you know, you, you could you have more flexibility. But here's the deal. You got to pay everyone. You can't go over X amount of dollars. You know, where are you going to pay these guys? You're going to pay the running back when you've, had, when you've been able to win two Super Bowls with, with really nobodies at running back? Or are you going to pay your quarterback? You're going to pay your receivers. You know, that's what this game is about today, airing the ball out. You need a quarterback. I wouldn't say you need great receivers, but they certainly help you win Super Bowls. I think running back is definitely you know, a distant third on that list when you look at the skill positions on offense. And I, ju- I just don't want to see the Giants. I think it would be a massive mistake. I mean, then what if Barkley doesn't work out? Okay, all this talk about how you know you don't get in this position very often. You got to do it right. You got to get your franchise quarterback. You end up drafting a running back. He ends up being a bust. Then what? Then what? It's really it's just not it's not all that simple. And you know it, it pains me to say it, but I don't know. The Giants might be better off, depending on what they can get back, trying to to package this draft pick and uh, move it somewhere else. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Like I said, against the running back, I definitely. Not really big on drafting a quarterback at this point, but, you know, you brought in an offensive coach in Shermer. It looks like you brought in an offensive coach in Shermer. I mean, maybe it's not the worst time to draft a, a, your next quarterback. As far as running back, I ju- it's needless to me. Honestly, Arlene Starkwa and Shane Vereen, I mean, combined, they can block, run, and catch balls out of the backfield too, right? So why wouldn't you want to save a little money? You know, do it with those guys as opposed to paying a kid like Barkley. And I know Barkley will be a be a bargain the first four years. But those first four years, man, I'll tell you, they go by quick. And then you got to pay the guy. And if he's as good as everyone thinks, you got to pay him a lot. So this, those are all things to think about. You know, it's not an easy situation. I'm glad I'm not the GM of the Giants. I'm going to put my faith in Dave Gettleman. And I'm going to wait and see. I'm really, you know, that's all we're going to do. We're going to wait and see. And we'll we'll see how it works out. I think overall, the Giants, like I said, I'm not all excited about this number two pick. Um, I'm a little nervous about it. I think overall, the Giants as a whole right now, I think think they're on the right track. I really do. And I'm going to tell you... I'm going to tell you a little more about why I think that. I think there's reason to be optimistic. I'll put it that way. Now, maybe they're not on the right track, but I think there are reasons to be optimistic. And we're going to get into that a little more after this break. But right now, we do have to pay some bills. So don't touch that dial. You're listening to For Pete's Sake on KMAZ Radio. And we will be back after this. Remember back when school was fun and something to look forward to? Wait, school can actually be fun? That's right, earning an education and having fun can go hand in hand, and you'll see what I'm talking about when you attend the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. The learn-by-doing approach and the hands-on training you receive as a student at CSB works wonders for those who aren't exactly textbook learners like myself. The fact that broadcast professionals currently working in the industry teach the classes gives its students the first-hand knowledge they need to know to work in this industry. The Connecticut School of Broadcasting is the oldest and largest group of community communication schools in the country and 2014 marks the school's 50th anniversary let csb make your broadcasting dreams become a reality and enroll today by calling 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to go.csb.org both day and night classes are available call 1-800-TV-RADIO today to schedule your studio tour 
It is time for today in sports history, and on this date, January 17, 1971, Cowboys linebacker Chuck Howley is named Super Bowl MVP despite Dallas's 16-13 loss to the Baltimore Colts in Super Bowl V. In 1988, trailing 38-31 with 1-12 left in the AFC Championship game, the Browns' Ernest Biner fumbles at Denver's three-yard line, sending the Broncos to their second consecutive Super Bowl. In 1995, the Los Angeles Rams announced they're moving to St. Louis. And on January 17, 1999, after finishing the season perfect, Viking kicker Gary Anderson misses on a crucial fourth quarter field goal attempt in the NFC Championship, allowing the Falcons to advance to Super Bowl 33 with an overtime win. To learn more about what happened today or any day in sports, music, film, TV, and more, visit OnThisDay.com and don't touch that dial. For Pete's sake, we'll be right back on KMAZ Radio. Just a poor boy, though my story is seldom told. I squandered my resistance for a pocket full of mumbles, such are promises. All lies and jest, still a man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. No more than a boy in the company of strangers In the quiet of the railway station Let him scared Laying low, seeking out the poorer quarters Where the ragged people go Looking for the places only they would know Asking only workmen's wages, I come looking for a job, but I get no offers. Just to come on from the wars on 7th Avenue. I do declare there were times when I was so lonesome, I took some comfort there. La, 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 la. The Boxer, the 1969 single from Simon and Garfunkel, is your song of the day today. That song later featured on the duo's fifth studio album, Bridge Over Troubled Waters, and climbed all the way to number seven on Billboard's Hot 100, and was also a top ten hit in nine 
different countries and the reason that is your song of the day is today january 17th 2018 is the 28-year anniversary since simon and garfunkel were inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame along with some other big names like the who who you heard from a little earlier the platters the kinks the four tops the four seasons bobby darren and hank ballard but nonner of Simon and Garfunkel and their induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 28 years ago. That song, The Boxer, is your song of the day. Pete Solari back on for Pete's sake here on KMAZ Radio. And as per usual, we are running out of time. But I just wanted to finish up on the Giants a little bit here because as I said at the end of the last segment, there are reasons to be optimistic. Like I, I said, I talked a little bit about Gettleman, Dave Gettleman, the new uh, GM in the last segment. Like I said, long way to go for him. A lot's going to depend on what he does with this uh, number two pick. But so far, so good with Gettleman. He's got a coach, it looks like, in place in Pat Shermer, who, uh, like I said last week, not very excited about. Um, doesn't do a lot to excite me. But honestly, there are, like I said, reasons to be optimistic with Shermer. I think, you know, number one, he's an offensive coach. You know, Matt Patricia, the Patriots defensive coordinator, never made sense for me with the Giants, especially if you're looking to move forward with your with your next quarterback. You know, why are you bringing a defensive guy in? So now Shermer fits the offensive bill. You know, he's uh, he's a guy, you see the success he's had with Case Keenum now in Minnesota. He's done a, done a really good job with them. Obviously wasn't a great head coach in Cleveland in his other in his other uh, opportunity as a head coach in this league. And honestly, it's not fair to grade a guy you know, on the same curve, a guy coaching Cleveland as everyone else, because you know, that's just a bad job for everyone. Honestly, I'm, I'm convinced at this point, Shermer probably would have been better off never being a head coach and just being, you know, a very well-respected offensive coordinator, you know, than, than going to Cleveland, being their head coach, and, and, you know, kind of falling on his face. I think he probably would have been better off as just a hot assistant. I mean, Cleveland's a mess. I don't think, it, you know, that you understand why a guy like Josh Rosen doesn't want to play there. I don't think it's because Josh Rosen, you know, doesn't have belief in himself. I think it's because, I mean, look look at Cleveland. Just look at Cleveland, especially since they came back to the NFL. Just an absolute disaster. So, you know, I don't think it's really fair to paint Shermer, uh, you know, in, in that light necessarily. You know, there are other good things about him, though. Here he, He's in Minnesota. You know, that's a team that just, you know, they just overhauled their offensive line. You know, did you know four of the five offensive linemen in, in Minnesota are new players to the team this year? They only had one holdover. So, you know, he's got that experience behind him. You've had Gettleman talking, you know, committing basically to rebuilding the offensive line. I think those are two things to be optimistic about. Uh, I like the fact that he has a, a relationship a relationship with uh, Steve Spagnuolo. I would not be against the Giants bringing him back as defensive coordinator. I'm a big believer in him. I think, you know, he's shown you it, with the Giants that when you give him the tools to succeed, he will succeed. So I'm totally on board with that. You know, him and Shermer go way back as assistants in Philadelphia, way back when, um, you know, Shermer was uh, Spags's offensive coordinator when he was the head coach in St. Louis. So these guys have a relationship. A lot of talk now. Spags returning. Totally on board with that. I think another reason to be optimistic. I think he's not a Belichick assistant. That's a reason to be optimistic. You know, you heard me talk about Patricia. Didn't really think he was a fit. Not Wasn't really excited about Josh McDaniels either. You see Josh McDaniels. He chose the Colts over the Giants. He'd rather go to the Colts because they have Andrew Luck in place, who he views as a surefire Super Bowl quarterback, and that's fine. That's fine. I mean, McDaniels obviously doesn't have doesn't have any belief in himself, 
you know, to build a team from the ground up. So, you know, that's good to know. Also, the last guy McDaniels thought was a surefire Super Bowl quarterback was Tim Tebow. So, you know, I'm fine. I, like I said last week, Belichick assistants, really not impressive as head coaches. So uh, anyone not named Belichick who's part of that Belichick coaching tree, I'm really not interested in. So I think it, there's reason to be optimistic about Shermer not being a Belichick assistant on top of it. I mean, I think, you know, look, looking forward, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy. Most, most importantly, the thing to be most optimistic about is that I think we're clearly, clearly in the post-Jerry Reese era now. You know, brighter horizons are, are awaiting us. And, you know, I think, honestly, everything looks like a circus right now. Everything looks like a mess right now. I understand it. I think the Giants are moving in the right direction. Uh, I hope they're moving in the right direction. Like I said, Shermer doesn't excite me, but, uh, you know, that that doesn't mean anything. Jim Fossil didn't excite me. I thought he was a pretty good coach. Tom Coughlin definitely didn't excite me. You know, he was a great coach for the Giants. You know, Dan Reeves was a guy you heard of who had a lot of success in this league, kind of did excite you, fell flat on his face. So, you know, the fact that he doesn't excite me, that he's not, you know, the biggest name out there, I, I can certainly get over that. I do think, honestly, now that I look at, at, at the group they, the Giants interviewed from afar and you, you look at them and you see them dwindling down now, I, honestly, I think Shermer might be the best fit of the group. You know, we'll see where it goes. But like I said, reason to be op- reasons to be optimistic. You know, the Giants aren't a horrible team. Remember, they won 11 games a couple years ago. So, you know, they're not that far away. So, I don't know, a little new blood. I think it's good McAdoo's gone. Obviously, he was a disaster. Jerry Reese, you know, being gone is long overdue. So, like I said, reasons to be optimistic. I know everything seems like a circus, Giant fans, right now, but I think we are moving along in the right direction. We'll see where they go with this number two pick. I think, you know, assuming Shermer's the coach, you know, that's that's what we move to next. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But like I said, I mean, definitely more reason to be optimistic now than we were a couple, uh, you know, months ago or weeks ago, whenever, when, when McAdoo and Reese were let go, everything looked horrible. You know, we're moving along. We're moving along. And we're going to be all right. So let's just wait and see. Let's see what they do with this number two pick. And we'll go from there. All right. So I am officially out of time for today. I want to thank you all for joining. Please don't forget to give me a follow on Twitter at for Pete's sake NY, the number four P E T E S A K E N Y. Also check me out at for Pete's sake dot net for Pete's sake spelled the same way dot net for Pete's sake dot net. And don't forget to check out my work over at the Monday Morning Quarterback, that at mondaymorningqb.info, and on social media at hashtag TMMQB. And finally, I want to invite you all to join us again next week for another episode of For Pete's Sake, same time, same place, noon Eastern, right here on KMAZ Radio. But until then, my name is Pete Solari, and I am signing off.